It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. We're going to reset. You can uh, get us live streaming on the Internet. LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. And during the week, you can see us on uh, television, Fox Business Network, FBN. Name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, 4 to 5 p.m. every day on Fox Business. And um, if you can't get there at 4, just uh, text your favorite 9-year-old, and she will show you how to DVR the show. All right, there you have it. It does replay at 7, by the way. We're going to do some stock market work. We've got David Bonson, the Bonson Group CIO, founder and managing director, and the author of DividendCafe.com. And we have Mike Ozanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media, co-host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. It's a very good show. Hey, Mike, uh, the Yanks got a hitter. So they got themselves a hitter, at least for a year. Give me a hey. quick quick rundown. You know I, I have to talk Yankees with you. Well, I, we got uh, two good hit, a great hitter and a good hitter. We got Soto. At least for years, you said before he becomes a free agent, and we didn't really give up much for him at all. Uh, probably the second best hitter in the American League now, behind Otani. Mm-hmm. A lefty, compliment Judge as a righty, and then you know I think under the radar a little bit is they they got Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox. Uh, you know, not a lot of power, but a, a, a very good, consistent hitter. Hits the ball, Larry. You're going to love this guy. He hits it to all fields. Mm. Not a you know, line drive hitter hits it where it's pitched. So, uh, you know, we were near the bottom of the league in offense last year. Uh, and I think that uh, kudos to Brian Cashman. I, I, yeah. I think he did not give up much. Uh, the Padres were under financial duress. So uh, he was able to get Soto for not much. So good for them and uh, good for us as Yankee fans. Contact hitters. The Yankees need contact hitters desperately. This is unbelievable. Yeah, well, you're going to love Verdugo. He is that. And both of these guys, Larry, another thing you're going to love, they play every day. Right. These are guys that, you know, these aren't 120-game players. They're mm-hmm. everyday players. So uh, that's going to be really, really good with us, uh, for us. And, and in the Soto trade, also a little under the radar, is we got, a, we got a center fielder who doesn't hit much but is a tremendous, tremendous fielder, tremendous defensive player. So uh, I don't think Cashman's done yet. I think he's going to move a few more pieces around. But uh, so far, it's looking very good. David Bonson, you're not a Yankee fan, are you? California. No, Larry, I'm a huge Yankee fan. I, I, uh, yeah? I was bo- born and raised as an Angels fan, even though my dad was a Dodgers fan in Southern California. But then when I moved to New York City, it was a very easy uh, adoption for the Yankees because Ooh. the Angels had decided they were embarrassed to be in Orange County and illegally changed their name to the Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> for those who are familiar with with Anaheim, it is uh, no. It would be you know it would be like some team out in uh, hypothetically New Jersey calling themselves the New York Jets. <laughs> 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 That's great. That's great. I you know what? We're going to go to a Yankee game this year, David. We're going to go to a Yankee game. I love game. it. Yeah, yeah. No, we're going to go up uh, 
They're always inviting me to sit in the owner's box uh, up there. We'll, we'll go. <laughs> now that I hear this, David Bonson, what's going on in the stock market? Um, it's having a great year, turns out. And the numbers are coming. We just had John Carney from Breitbart. We were talking about uh, soft landing. And then the question is whether the Fed's going to get inflation down to 2% uh, or not. They're close. It's around 3 I guess, 3.5%. Uh, give me a rundown. Give me an overview, David Bonson, please. Well, the first thing I have to comment on is that last part about the Fed's going to get inflation down. You know, Larry, that was always my concern when we were blaming the Fed for all the inflation is that we were going to give them all the credit when it came mm -hmm. down. And I don't really think either is totally true. Um, but as far as the three and a half now, the only thing I'll say is I think it is two. I, the shelter inflation is 34% of CPI, and if anyone believes that rents and housing prices are still going up 8% a year, I encourage them to try to rent their house out and see how that goes. Hmm. Um, the lag effect of shelter is adding uh, over a point, and so we have a two-handle now. Um, now, look, that disinflation um, was absolutely going to happen, whether they tightened or not, the note, because of the supply chains reopening and various elements of uh, the economy normalizing. Energy is the big problem. The Fed can't control the Biden administration's absurd energy policy. Mm. So, you know, if they end up getting a soft landing, it won't be because they orchestrated it. It's because there's a lot of spontaneous order in the world, as Hayek taught us, and, and sometimes you can get lucky. Well, you know, those. <clears throat> let's talk energy for a second. Despite uh, OPEC trying to tighten production, uh, and we don't know that they are. I mean, it's voluntary. We're not sure who's producing what or who's not producing what. I think it's interesting, David, that um, crude oil prices have come down. Let's see, West Texas, 71 bucks. Uh, Brent crude, 75, 76 bucks. Gasoline nationwide is... Uh, below 320, I think, uh, down from five dollars not so long ago. So whatever, uh, those are counterinflation. Those are disinflation numbers. They're almost deflation numbers. Yeah, that's right. And so the question that people have to ask, which is really important going into 2024, is: Is recent oil weakening a sign of a demand erosion and potential recession? Or is it what it's been all year? As we've round tripped from 67 to 87 and back about three times. Mm. Um, look, I think, Larry, that Iran is flooding the market. I really do. I think mm. that they anticipate some more sanctions coming. They anticipate more world response to whatever their role was with Hamas. And I think that they've been very effective at getting a lot more oil out the last few weeks. But this thing of oil coming from 80 back to 70, it has happened at least three times this year. Oil's just stuck in that range. And um, it's true that U.S. production has come way up. But what people miss the point on this, so the, the Biden administration is so funny. They're now bragging about the amount of oil being produced today. Um, and, and I thought that their whole point was to brag about not doing that. So they give these mixed signals, like when they brag about the deficit, uh, coming down, even though it doesn't, uh, because their legislation that was going to kill the deficit um, higher didn't pass. Uh, bragging about things they weren't able to do is so strange to me. But the truth is, they're not clearing the market. 
that's all that matters. It is not about the absolute level of production. It's are you producing enough to meet demand? And when they're begging Venezuela and when they're begging Saudi Arabia, they know it's because their policies are keeping us from clearing the market. Mm. Um, Mike Gozanian, what's your market outlook these days? Well, I think uh, as it relates to oil, uh, aside from what uh, David so astutely pointed out, I I would point out there possibly be some concerns over China's economic health and demand for oil. We know that Moody's lowered the outlook on China uh, uh, to negative from stable. Uh, I think that that uh, is something that uh, traders are betting on. And also, you know, I think there's a little bit of a dollar play here in that – Despite the tremendous government spending, the dollar has been strong recently, mm-hmm. relatively mm-hmm. strong. And I think that's because traders are betting that the eurozone will have some interest rate cuts. And I think relative to the euro, the dollar is looking stronger. And as you know, oil is bought in dollars. So I think that that's also have had a positive effect. Uh, in terms of the economy overall, I mean, the last I peaked, the Atlanta Fed's GDP now model was looking at only 1.2% growth in, the, in this current quarter, uh, which begs the question, you know, during the third quarter, uh, earnings grew just under 5%. And there were many more positive earnings surprises than negative. Uh, so for the fourth quarter, can that be maintained? Uh, it's not looking like it right now uh, because you're having more negative revisions than positive revisions, particularly with revenue. Uh, I've been one of those that have, you know, this has been a consumer-driven economy, and and it's also been a consumer-driven stock market. Uh, The consumer discretionary uh, section has been phenomenal. Uh, I thought consumers were sort of with their debt levels. It was unsustainable. Uh, I don't know. I kind of still feel that way. But uh, given the market's multiple of about 18, 19, mm. Wall Street is not seeing it that way. Mm. David Dunson, uh, um, is there downside risk to profits? Is there downside risk to the economy? Well, there's definitely a downside risk to the economy. You know, I, I take the view about the consumer that we all will do well to just assume no matter what, they're going to surprise us to the upside. Because until they run out of money, until they run out of credit, Americans are living this one long game of let's make a deal. They just don't stop shopping. They don't Mm. stop spending until they run out of money. And he's right about the absolute debt level seeming to be very high. But I should point out, I think a better analysis is the debt compared to income debt compared to assets. Those ratios are not that high compared to historical levels. There's room there with the consumer. But, you know, Larry, I'm a supply sider and you're my hero and mentor. And we learned a lot. There's there's Laffer and Forbes in there. But John Baptiste taught us you have to produce before Mm. you consume. Mm. And that's the area that has concerned me about the economy since the financial crisis. We've never gotten non-business, excuse me, non-residential fixed investment back up. Uh, right. There was one year in 2018 after the Trump tax cuts, corporate tax reform, repatriation of foreign profits, 
uh, instant expensing, the more R&D, those things were very supply side, especially reduction of corporate marginal rates. You got a little boost for one year in business investment. But other than that, CapEx has been a little lower. Now, you know what? It may start to come back. There's a lot of onshoring, a lot of reshoring. There's some of those things that could boost some American business activity, but it's been very light. And, and uh, that, to me, is the question going forward for the economy. All right, let's take a break. Uh, David Bonson of the Bonson Group. He was the founder and managing director. He's the author of the DividendCafe.com and Michael Zanian, assistant managing editor for Forbes Media and co-host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with more on stocks. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking stocks with David Bonson, Bonson Group CIO. He's the founder and managing director of that company. And he's the author of DividendCafe.com and Michael Zanian, assistant managing editor of Forbes Media and co-host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network. Uh, gentlemen, let's talk about interest rate outlook. David Bonson, what's your outlook for rates? Oh, that part's easy. They're going lower. <laughs> <laughs> How much you know, Larry, Larry, they're going lower because of the fact that economic growth is not assumed over the next 10 years to be robust. It is not assumed with $32 trillion of national debt and deficits growing still, that we're going to get the economic growth train back. And in order, uh, you know, all the bond yield is long-term is people's assumption about inflation and growth. And nominal GDP and bond yields are basically very aligned. And nominal GDP expectations going forward are much lower than they've historically been. What's... um that's just for another uh, nominal GDP growth. Are you looking for like five percent? I would love five. I think uh, we're going to get four, and that, and I think that's the problem. Is three to four, which was sort of the post-crisis, uh, mm-hmm. pre-Trump range, um, is where I think the long-term trajectory is. It's much more Japan-like. You know, Japan was lucky to get one percent nominal GDP. Um, I think that's really where we're headed, unfortunately. I don't think it has to be that way. I've never felt it had to be that way. But uh, lacking a real pro-growth agenda, it's going to be very difficult to get five. Um, again, you may get the little spurts of it. I mean, there's this chance of a CapEx boom around onshoring that provides a year or two of higher nominal GDP. But, you know, if you're going to get two inflation and you're going to get three, which was our post-war uh, average of real GDP, you'd get five. I don't see those things happening. Mike Kozanian, uh, would you buy bonds uh, the ten year at four twenty three? Um, would you buy it? I, I actually would. Uh, I, I agree with uh, what David saying. Uh, I, I may not even be as sanguine on nominal GDP as he is. Actually, I, I'd probably take the under on that, uh, given what the uh, revisions have been for revenue for companies. Um, I, I certainly would. Uh, I also would go into the dollar right now. Hmm. Look, the closer we get to the election, uh, next year's election, 
Uh, I know the Fed's not supposed to be a political body, but either is the Justice Department. And we know how true how true that is. So I think the less even if inflation, the headline figure to remain where it is, I, I still think that the less likely it's going to become that the Fed is going to uh, uh, do anything to, to raise uh, interest rates and to combat inflation. So I, I agree totally with what David said. So, David, um, the best performing asset year to date is Bitcoin. That's up 169.7 percent. Uh, 44,608. Actually, we'll round it up, 609. You're going to be a big buyer of Bitcoin, David Bonson? <laughs> no, I'll buy the same amount of it that I bought last year and the year before, uh, which is the same amount of Beanie Babies that I own. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Bitcoin is hot. It's very hot. Well, you know, Larry, when you're talking about it being hot, I hope you realize you're making an argument against it, right? I mean, this is, this is a, a, exactly the problem with these manias. Um, and I am a real fundamentalist. I mean, I, there's no internal rate of return. Um, you know, gold hasn't been around for 5,000 years. That I don't buy gold either. I, I can't wait it. I can't value it. I don't know. Without an interest rate or an earnings stream, I don't know how to value it. Bitcoin is something that is worth whatever someone else is willing to pay. It's classic greater fool theory, and it's just not what we do. I've been burned on it before. I won't get burned on it again. And Michael Zanian, um, Bitcoin, and let's throw gold into it also. Would you be a buyer of Bitcoin? Would you be a buyer of gold? <laughs> I've never understood Bitcoin. Uh, I've never, I've, so I, I've never owned it. Uh, I've asked guys at the Forbes IT department who are, you know, wizards in this to explain it to me. They've painstakingly taken time, and I walk away just as quizzical as I was uh, when they first, uh, before they explained it to me. So, no. Uh, Gold's had a great run, uh, you know, recently. I I anticipate that it'll stay strong uh, simply because of, of uh, the bad things going on in the world right now in, in, in the Middle East and you know, with Israel and so forth. Uh, but uh, I, I I like the dollar, and, and I think selective stocks are good right now. All right, we'll leave it there. Selected stocks, we're going to leave it there. Mike Kozanian, assistant editor of Forbes Matt Media and co-host of Forbes Sports Money on the Yes Network, David Bonson of the Bonson Group. Thank you, gentlemen, we appreciate it. Folks, let's take a quick break, and on the other side... Money in Politics with Liz Peake and Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.